0: healthcare is at least a few decades old. Over the years, efforts at reducing toxic waste, pollutants, improving energy efficiency, recycling, and more, haven't always garnered a lot of public attention, but the work has gone on just the same and not without effect. There used to be some 4,000 medical waste incinerators in the U.S. Today, the number is about 60. Patients typically notice if a hospital seems environmentally aware by the presence of recycling bins and various signs that might be posted here and there that tick off the hospitals other green practices but the visibility of green in health care and its relationship to broader improvement goals and patient safeties has perhaps taken an interesting turn this week and you're going to hear about it uh, today uh, the launch of the healthier hospitals initiative on this edition of WIHI and welcome to WIHI an online audio talk show from the Institute for Healthcare Improvement Offered bi weekly and also for your later listening and convenience via ihi.org and on iTunes. And I'm your host and producer, Madge Kaplan. I'm also IHI's Director of Communications. And if you are attending WIHI for the first time, we're especially glad that you're checking us out. On this program, we lean into cutting edge innovations and bold ideas to improve health, health care, and to lower health care costs. So green means, among other things, hospital employees cleaning rooms using safer. less less toxic products. It means more natural light and more energy efficient and appealing designs. It means replacing a lot of junk food and high carb, high fat meals with more nutritional options for the health of patients and healthcare employees alike. And it's an exciting agenda that it's only getting more relevant uh, to the goals of patient safety and quality improvement. And we're going to learn more about that from our terrific guests in just a moment. But first, here's IHI's John Gothier. He keeps an eye on WebEx for us and ensures that you're a satisfied WIHI participant.
1: John. Thanks, Madge. Uh, Just a few items to point out to help everybody make the most of today's program. Um, Here's the chat window, if you've tuned into WIHI before, you know about the great conversation that takes place in the chat window. We keep the chat closed during the beginning of the conversation, but open it up after about 20 minutes or so for everybody to share their questions and comments. Once the chat is open, make sure that your questions and comments are directed to all participants, that way uh, we in the studio can uh, see all your questions and everybody else in the chat can as well. And, of course, there's a couple ways that folks are connected to WIHI today. If you're logged onto the computer and listening to uh, us by streaming audio coming through speakers or headphones, you will see a box in the top right-hand corner labeled Audio Broadcast. This format works best if you're on a high-speed connection. If you're on a slower connection, we recommend calling in by phone. If, the persist- if you experience any audio issues, please send me a chat on WebEx. And if the problem persists, please let the folks know at IHI Customer Service. We'll flash a slide with that phone number soon. And, of course, we're always looking for ways to improve the listener experience here on WIHI, and we need your help for that. Please take the time after the program to fill out a quick survey. Everyone who fills out the survey will be entered into a raffle for an Amazon gift card. Thanks to everyone who filled out the survey from a couple weeks ago. Mr. Ed Fink of UC San Diego was our lucky winner. Ed gets to live in San Diego, and now he gets an Amazon gift card. So (laughs) I hope Ed's listening today. (laughs) Back to you, Madge.
0: Okay, thanks so much, John. So that's the survey that pops up at the end of WIHI, but now we've got a really nice hour ahead. First of all, it's really thrilling uh, that everyone is here in the studio, and that's a real feat. So I'm going to start by introducing Gary Cohen. He's one of the masterminds of the Healthier hospitals initiative gary is founder president and executive director of Healthcare without harm that's a partnering organization in the campaign and the initiative he's been active in the environmental health movement for 26 years welcome gary Thanks a lot, Mitch. Okay. Also here is John Miservy. Have I pronounced your name correctly? Right. Chair of the Healthier Hospitals Initiative. John is an architect and he's also director of capital and facilities planning for Partners Healthcare here in Boston. Welcome, John. Thanks, Matt. All right, and I'm delighted to also welcome Dr. Amy Collins to the WIHI studio. She's a practicing emergency physician at Metro West Medical Center and a leader in multiple dimensions, I should say, of green practices for health care at Vanguard as well as Metro West. So welcome, Amy.
2: Thank you very much. All right, we're going to
0: don some green glasses, everybody, and I really encourage you to uh, really pay terrific attention to what you're going to hear about today And I also want to uh, acknowledge right from the start that this uh, week, the Healthier Hospitals initiative uh, went live in many different respects. They've been working on this for quite some time, years, but recently in months in getting the initiative off the ground. And at HealthierHospitals.org, there is a treasure trove of resources. Uh, So if there's anything you're wondering about, don't hesitate to go there. We also are going to capture some of that during the program today and include. In our WIHI resource document, but really applause, applause to all those who worked on pulling all those materials together. So Gary, let's start with this announcement to uh, this week, two days ago. The initiative was formally introduced at a launch event in Washington, D.C. You did get some news coverage. So uh, what's this all about? And uh, help us understand maybe some of the the broad uh, primary goals
3: yeah, so two days ago in Washington, we launched the Healthier Hospital Initiative to challenge the entire healthcare sector to improve patient and employee health, reduce costs, and to embed sustainability into the core operating model of healthcare in this country. Uh, the reason we did this is that we are understanding that it's getting more and more difficult to support healthy people on a sick planet. Uh, we have an epidemic of cancer and obesity and diabetes and asthma and other chronic diseases that threaten to overwhelm our entire health care system. Uh, a growing body of research confirms that these diseases are linked to environmental exposures in our food and air and water and consumer products. So from both an economic and public health perspective, it's no longer viable to simply focus on the treatment of chronic diseases. Which now account for 70% of all healthcare costs. We need to prevent them from happening in the first place. So, this initiative is um, coming together with 11 uh, leading healthcare systems in the country that represent over 500 hospitals, along with two other uh, NGOs in addition to Healthcare Other Harm Practice, Green Health, and the Center for Health Design to create a roadmap for sustainability. Uh, that the rest of the healthcare sector can travel down. And the framework is to really uh, reinvent hospitals as community anchors for health, sustainability, and disease prevention. There are six challenges that we're offering uh, information about and how-to guides about to help hospitals uh, uh, improve their environmental performance and reduce costs. Those challenges are engaged leadership, Healthier foods, leaner energy, less waste, safer chemicals, and smarter purchasing. And uh, for any hospital in the country that wants to enroll in this campaign, it's free, doesn't cost any money. All they have to do is register on the website and agree to take up one of these six challenges. And as soon as they do, uh, they get all sorts of information about how to. How to achieve success over the course of the three-year campaign?
0: Thanks very much, uh, Gary Cohen, with Healthier Hospitals Initiative. <clears throat> and uh, I guess I want to uh, just ask you, in terms of coming up with these uh, six areas, uh, it's clearly some culmination, in a way, even as you're launching, of perhaps a sense of where impact can be made in areas that make a lot of sense for healthcare.
3: Yes, um, we. We worked on uh, coming to consensus with our hospital partners around these six challenges, Uh, and some of them are fundamental. So uh, getting engaged leadership uh, at the tops of all these organizations is critical to achieve success. You need buy-in from the C-suite and from the senior management of an institution to get uh, this work cascading throughout the different departments. Um, We've also seen that having someone who is responsible for the overall sustainability initiatives is a critical component of success. So engaged leadership is, is a fundamental. Um, the issue around uh, energy uh, and waste is um, an area, those two areas are areas that many, many hospitals around the country are already doing because it saves an enormous amount of money. And so because there's enormous pressure in healthcare to reduce costs, to drive waste out of the system. Here's uh, two areas that haven't particularly been looked at in the clinical side of, of healthcare that saves enormous amount of money um, and also just makes more efficient operations. Um, the uh, food area is, is, has gotten enormous uh, momentum because of the incredible costs and uh, epidemic of obesity and diabetes in America and the recognition that if we're gonna solve this problem, hospitals need to go outside of their four walls and to become bigger agents of change in their communities by actually um, supporting more local and sustainable food systems, um, by modeling the kind of uh, healthier food purchasing that the rest of society should do. So in other words, getting rid of sugar-sweetened beverages in their facilities, serving healthier food options, um, and, and on the trays as well. Um, So that one has a lot of of momentum, and and a lot of hospitals are also um, advancing a wellness strategy that includes healthier foods and beverages with their employees, uh, which makes a lot of sense. And then um, the purchasing is is a very interesting one, smarter purchasing, because um, what we're realizing is that if if hospitals can come together and aggregate uh, their purchasing power, they can drive the market for safer products, mm-hmm. more innovative products, products that don't have toxic chemicals in them. And so um, in the same way that Walmart has been able to define the marketplace for consumer products because of the power of purchasing, uh, we see healthcare joining together as a way of doing that, but in service of disease prevention, uh, in service of, of community health.
0: So you're trying to enroll how many hospitals, and uh, I, I perhaps uh, we can get back to this uh, a, after the others have joined in here, but how many hospitals are you trying to enroll, uh, over what time period, reminds me of some is not a number, soon is not a time, uh, some of our own campaigns, and um, are there targets in each of the areas uh, that you ticked off in the broader areas?
3: Yes, so uh, we have 500 hospitals that we're starting with wow. as sponsors. Wow, that's great. Uh, and then our goal is to uh, enroll at least overall uh, 2,000 hospitals, okay. which would be 40% of the healthcare care market. Um, we think that's quite doable, and we actually think we can do better than that. I know that... The 100,000 Lives campaign, I think, um, got over 4,000. Yeah, finally uh-huh. at the very end. I yep. mean, that's where we learned about how to do this, <laughs> right. you know, is it was, it was following in the footsteps of IHI's campaigns and learning about how do you enroll uh, organizations, how do you assist them. Uh, we've also created a mentorship program uh-huh. with hospitals that have already achieved success to mentor others. Uh, but in each of the six areas, there's specific metrics right. uh, that we're asking people to achieve and to, as part of um, signing up, is to put their baseline information in so that we can then track the progress of the whole sector across three years um, and show that, in fact, uh, they may be, the the healthcare sector may be the most important sector in our economy, uh, representing 18% of the entire economy, to sort of move us as a a whole economy toward uh, greater health and sustainability.
0: One last quick question before I turn to John Maservi here um, and all the fine work that's kind of made this all possible and given, you know, so much uh, rich content to the platform. What if you're not a hospital? So what if there's anybody on here who's uh, working in some other kind of healthcare care delivery? Is there a role for them in this effort?
3: Yes. Um, for uh, nurses and physicians, we have uh, a lot of materials that are uh, educational materials around the links between environment and health uh, and things that they can do as clinicians to educate their patients, uh, and, and as, as well as being nurses. There's, um, there's a whole set of opportunities for uh, businesses that are in the supply chain because uh, to create innovation around these areas. Mm-hmm. Um, there's going to be partnerships with a number of uh, different uh, networks like the Children's Health Association, the American Public Health Association, uh, the Catholic Health Association, different state hospital associations to educate their members and to enlist them. So there really is something for everyone here.
0: Okay, terrific. Thank you very much, and you've just been listening to uh, Gary Cohen, who's been at this for many years, and we're talking about the launch of the Healthier Hospitals Initiative this week. Let me turn now to John Mazervi when Gary was talking about uh, the 500 uh, or so organizations uh, that are already on board and who also really have a track record here of just substantial work. John sent me a bunch bunch of material, and it's really just the tip of the iceberg, I'm sure, of what he could have sent me, uh, about what's been going on at Partners Healthcare. So if you haven't been aware of this, this is a real treat and an opportunity. John, um, what are the kinds of areas that you've been working on and the sorts of best practices that you're really building?
4: Well, as as Gary mentioned, uh, energy is kind of the low-hanging fruit, I think, in healthcare because we do consume, hospitals consume 8% of the, uh, <coughs> excuse me, uh, nation's, Energy, um, and we are highly energy intensive. The the, the parallel that we uh, draw for our twelve Boston hospitals is that we consume the equivalent of forty-two thousand households of, or excuse me, forty-seven thousand households of electricity. Well, in the city of Cambridge, which is the fifth largest city in in Massachusetts, there are forty-two thousand households. There's a, a population of one hundred and five thousand. So, you know, we consume in those twelve hospitals the equivalent of a of a Good-sized city, uh, and so uh, obviously, if you multiply that out across all the hospitals in the in the country, it's a, it's a huge amount of power. So, we operate 24/7, of course, um, and the kinds of things that we've found that we can do are, uh, which are sort of dumb when you stop and think about them, but you know, we're, we're running full air changes and heat in our operating rooms 24/7 uh... even when they're not occupied so you know let's shut those things down to minimum air changes let's drop the temperature down a few degrees so that it can be brought up if it's needed you know within five minutes or so Um, let's uh... recommission our, um, our existing buildings so that they operate as the engineers initially designed them over time people complaining about being too hot too cold whatever the settings are changed, and they're never put back. So, you know, over a period of five years or so, our hospitals can be operating much more inefficiently or our buildings much more inefficiently than they were, they were designed to to operate. So lots of things like that. We, we are uh, fortunate in Massachusetts to have uh, strong utilities and partnerships with utilities, so there are rebates and incentives available to us to replace uh, Uh, pumps and drives, other things with variable speed uh, uh, drives which reduce energy consumption and and receive a pretty nice rebate on that. So we're incentivized to move in this direction. The the slide that's up on the screen at the moment has to do with uh, uh, an energy conservation program we've entered into. Partners took the initiative to uh, undertake a ten-year energy master plan uh, back in 2009 and uh, that was on the heels of, of the tremendous fluctuations in energy costs in 2008, where uh, unbudgeted energy costs actually, uh, you know, went to the bottom line and reduced our reduced our overall return. So, our CFO challenged us uh, to both provide a short-term strategy. What can we do to uh, to hedge against these? Uh, uh, increases in energy costs, and then longer term, what should our position be? Should we be more self-sufficient, for instance? And so the five-year program, the initial five-year program that we came up with uh, was focused on energy conservation, and we set a 25 percent target to reduce our energy consumption over those five years. We're 18 months into it, we've already reduced our our, uh, consumption by 9 percent. We're making an investment to do that. This is not all just by twisting dials and switches. We are actually investing. uh, But the return on investment is 3.7 years. Uh, It's a $60 million investment. It's a 3.7-year return, or as our CFO likes to say, it's a 29% return on investment, which is better than any other legal return you can obtain (laughs) in this country. So uh, he's happy, uh, and obviously we're reducing cost uh, because the savings keep on uh, keep on giving year after year. The second piece of our strategy, and it's really a bridging strategy between uh, uh, dependence on fossil-based fuels and uh, renewables, is to uh, invest in cogeneration, on-site uh, power generation. And um, we're putting the first unit into a, a new rehab hospital that's in construction now. Uh, we've been actually been running a... a uh, a general unit in one of our research facilities for 10 years, and it's, it's had a 99% up and running record. But we're looking at our other hospitals and ways in which we can uh, put the cogeneration to use there, and, and sort of take care of the baseline. Um, and then the third strategy is around renewables. And um, you know, it, it works better in some parts of the country than others. Uh, the, it's very much an incentive-driven business at this point in time because of what used to be uh, federal incentives are now uh, tax credits. Um, uh, there are state incentives in Massachusetts and, and various innovative programs through the utilities and we're, we're trying to figure out how to make that work. We, you know, Partners is an urban system so we don't have uh, available land to set out a field of PVs in the middle of downtown Boston. <laughs> so we have to be looking at off-site locations, and with that off-site location come other regulatory kinds of issues. But, uh, you know, we're, we're determined to figure out how to make it work, and uh, and I know other systems. KP, Kaiser Permanente, who is one of our partners in the HHI, has uh, made a big commitment in the area of renewables and I, I think is is on the verge of having uh, 15 uh, megawatts of, of photovoltaic uh, generated power uh, uh, in their system already, and, and they're about to increase that. So, um, so we see the need and the opportunity to bridge from you know, heavy utilization of carbon-based fuels with the carbon dioxide and all the all the greenhouse gases, and, and then the contribution obviously to, to chronic disease, respiratory problems, and asthma and what have you that goes with that through uh, this bridging strategy of cogeneration towards renewables. And, and it needs to happen fairly quickly. I mean, this is, we're talking about a 10 year period here that we need to be much more dependent on renewables. So it's a real challenge to the marketplace uh, uh, to make that happen and to make it happen in an affordable way.
0: That's terrific. Mm -hmm. And uh, you're listening to John Mazervi from Partners Healthcare, and there's so much more, I mean I was just looking at the mission statement, um, and by the way, there are more slides um, in references to a lot of the work going on Partners. It's available also on their website. And uh, we also have more slides that we can share when you log off, or you can ask for them at info at IHI.org. But I was looking at organization and leadership, focus on built environment, energy, water, waste. Uh, Everybody's been talking a lot about reduction in in paper, toxins and hazardous materials, uh, use in treatment in in cleaning, nutritional services, and also transportation, which I think is terrific. So these, these platforms are really quite comprehensive and we can hopefully you can all uh, ask more about that and maybe some of the folks listening today you know can tell us what they're doing at their own organizations but um, thank you John and you heard Gary before and now let me bring in Amy Collins from Metro West um, a busy emergency physician who turns out is also (laughs) moonlighting as a (laughs) green whiz I, I have a feeling I mean she promises me she has others who are working with her on these projects but there is so much going on at Metro West so give us a sense of, of uh, the projects and perhaps the ones that you think have even the most traction right now
2: yeah sure um, you know I, I can actually start with a story many years ago um, I thought I had lived a very green life and was doing all sorts of stuff at home and one day my fourth grader caught me idling in the car (laughs) and really gave me a little bit lecture and told, uh, told me I needed to do more so we set about at home trying to you know green our household a little bit more and it got to the point where it was very uncomfortable living one way at home and another way at work. So all I wanted to do was start a recycling program in my emergency department. And someone told me that recycling was illegal in hospitals, so being the great Googler that I am, I googled recycling in hospitals and came across gary 's organization, Healthcare Without Harm, and also another organization called Hospitals for a Healthy Environment, and learned that not only was recycling not illegal but there was much more that could be done in a hospital and we formed a uh, grassroots um, what we called the go green committee back in 2007 and we started as most hospitals do with the low-hanging fruit um, doing things with waste reduction recycling um, reducing our regulated medical waste which has some associated cost savings we we're one of the first hospitals to start a, a food waste composting program And we then moved into other things that um, had to do with toxicity reduction, such as eliminating mercury, starting a green cleaning program. We then wanted to bring some of our work to the community, and we held one of the first hospital-based pharmaceutical take-back events, which was a great opportunity to uh, engage the community in our efforts and also, you know, educate the community about proper disposal of pharmaceuticals. We have done a lot of work with um, food. I find that um, one of the most exciting things to work on because I think it has the most direct link to health. And as a physician, I really view sustainability as an opportunity for um, improved health and healthcare delivery, really specific preventative health. And I think food is the most direct connection to that. And food is just this big, big topic. Um, I feel we have to do things that reduce the environmental impact of food services, things like the composting and reducing styrofoam and reusable um, serviceware. Um, we also have to educate our patients and our employees about sustainable food systems and the link between uh, food, nutrition, um, and the environment, and I feel we also have to uh, connect to um, local agriculture and we've done that in a couple of ways we have a winter farmers market at the hospital which has been a huge success um, that Great. took place um, over four months over the winter we just had our last one last weekend and we also formed a partnership with a local farm Silverwood organic farm for both a employee and patient CSA community supported agriculture program wow, that's deep. yeah Wow, so that's, a, that's a short list. A little short list.
0: <laughs> and she's not done. And I'm going to just ask uh, John. I, I, uh, there, you, if you can sort of throw up one of these uh, slides that uh, Amy provided us that had to do with paper reduction, which seems uh, like, yeah. gosh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really impressed. Uh, this is the story yeah. of uh, paper uh, and an analysis of what's going on and how you yeah. can start to re- reduce those practices. Yep. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I um, I also want to say that my hospital um, uses lean as its management strategy, and I've really learned a lot about the link between lean principles and sustainability. And we started off as to have you know have this cute little paper reduction project and using lean principles, and our goal was to reduce paper purchasing by 25% over the course of a year. One of the first things we did was try to figure out how much paper we buy in a year. And this is a slide that one of my Green Team members put together. We added up the paper we buy in a year at Metro West, and we asked people to guess how many John Hancock Towers it adds up to. And no one even comes close, and it's um, almost eight John Hancock Towers. And that's been a very, very impactful visual. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, But what we learned was that by reducing paper, we also see other benefits which we were not really anticipating. Um, One of the biggest ones was reduction in printer cartridge purchasing costs, also reduction in um, confidential paper recycling, and probably some other things that we didn't actually measure, things like um, energy savings and also increased efficiency because there are a lot of paper habits that are really very inefficient. So this is an ongoing project that keeps growing.
0: Right, and people are definitely busy. Um, I can't tell if they're actually arguing over whether that's going or staying. I think
2: they're they're (laughs) having a little disagreement because one of the things we did is we created printer pods and um, took away many desktop printers. We had Uh, over 400 of them, I believe, in the organization and the goal was to remove them and uh, create printer pods. Wow, okay. Well,
0: fantastic. All right. well, we're just about to open things up for uh, um, your questions and comments, but I want to. Uh, I'm going to just return to Gary for a moment. And uh, one of the things we were talking about before the program began is that I'm really struck by as I look at all the materials. And again, at healthierhospitals.org, um, you'll see this: the interrelationship between these agendas. And um, perhaps it's been a long time coming in terms of how to better understand in our thinking and our actions uh, the relationships between the quality improvement movements, patient safety, environmental sustainability. I mean, now in some ways, it all seems to you know, make, make tremendous sense. Uh, but I think it's probably taken some efforts to uh, create the linkages. So I'm curious, Gary, what's your senses uh, in terms of the appetite out there right now uh, for these movements, these efforts, uh, this, these, these kinds of thinking to come together right now?
3: Yeah, I think... Um you know, I'm reminded of what uh, Institute for Healthcare Improvement found when they said, what's the arc of innovation and when does something, how long does it take for something to get embedded into a system? And I remember Don Berwick saying it took 18 years. Mm-hmm. So we've been at this for 16 years, so we're just coming on that, <laughs> on that milestone. Right, sometimes people say 17 years, yeah. in, but yes, yes. Y- yes uh-huh. so, and uh, So it's taken a long time, uh, but I think uh, what started to happen is that As you start to think about, okay, what's patient safety and the patient experience, if you can reduce uh, the exposure of patients to toxic chemicals and junk food and sugar-sweetened beverages and other harmful environmental exposures in the facility, that enhances the patient experience. And if you can design buildings that have greater light and non-toxic building materials and design um, nursing stations that don't require nurses to walk five miles a day, Um, This is all about worker safety, patient safety. Um, If you can reduce the costs, um, that is also something that's part of the triple aim. And we're learning that uh, there's so many different ways to reduce costs, uh, including uh, looking at the operating room, which is a place where there's enormous profit but there's enormous waste. And by uh, reprocessing medical devices, uh, hospitals around the country are saving tens of millions of dollars. Uh, in an area that uh, 15 years ago wasn't happening at all. There's a whole new industry that's grown up. Uh, And then finally, I think the real leverage is really supporting population health um, and realizing that we really need to um, be more proactive in addressing the epidemic of diseases by going out into the community and supporting people's health um, and not just treating chronic disease. So it's just it's a timing issue, and I think that the ripeness of the integration of the sustainability movement with the quality movement in healthcare um, has really arrived.
0: Okay, thank you very much. Either of you want want to come comment on that in terms of what you see in your own organizations in terms of these streams of work?
4: Yeah, uh, this is John. Uh, You know, I I see a confluence of environmental interest and uh, associated concerns about patient affordability, and uh, I'm seeing an overlap of of initiatives, if you will, between those that were on our sustainability list for the past several years and what are are actually showing up on patient affordability lists generated by outside consultants that are coming into the system. So, you know, I I think there's a unique opportunity, um, not only in our system, but across the entire healthcare system with such tremendous pressure on costs. Uh, to look at sustainability uh, in a very different way and to embed sustainability as a normal way of doing practice and you know, taking care of your patients, the well-being of your, your employees, doing the right thing environmentally, but also saving money. It's, it's remarkable how many of these initiatives actually have savings attached to them. And uh, you know, really speak to efficiency and reduction of waste, which you know I think we all know is is a problem in healthcare. So I think the time is now, and that's why uh, I think this is being received so well. Uh, from the, the various systems that we're talking with across the country.
0: Mm-hmm. Thank you, Amy. Are these are these efforts in your organization? Are are people talking to one another, sort of across these different efforts? The green committee talking to the and some of the quality and safety committees.
2: Oh yeah, absolutely. And our green team is a multiple disciplinary team. Uh-huh. And I think it is one opportunity where we all sit at the same table, working on the same issues. And I think one thing that comes to mind is that I think hospitals are realizing that sustainability really speaks to a hospital's mission and vision. And I think we're seeing that very clearly. Uh, my uh, chief operating officer has taught me that if we really Follow, um, you know, the Hippocratic Oath: first, do no harm. When we try to implement our sustainability initiatives, if we really follow that, then all these other things that we're trying to achieve at the hospital, such as cost savings and community relations and improved efficiency and cost savings, they all fall into place really, really nicely.
0: Yes. Okay. Great. Okay. Move your mic in just a little closer. Thank you. All right, John. Let's uh, open things up uh, for. uh, Chat and comments, and I th- see. Oops, they they flew in already. The door opened when I wasn't looking. <laughs> okay,
1: yeah, but go some ahead. Questions to Madge, but make sure that when you ask your questions, they are directed to all participants. That way, everyone in the chat can see them. Everyone in this room can see them, and uh, and we'll get started. Thanks. Oh, all right, thanks a lot. Okay,
0: you never should underestimate this audience. They're always uh, ready. They're they're right there. So I'm gonna look. Um, all right, so we're all we're asking you, of course, uh, to let us know. Uh, What you're doing at your own organization, Stella is asking how many of the 500 hospitals are conducting energy efficiency audits to determine where the facility is using, losing the most energy? And are you aware of any federal grants available to hospitals to do this kind of work, John?
4: That's a great question. And uh, I'd say uh, amongst the 11 sponsoring systems every one of them is tackling energy conservation. Uh, just because it's it's on the face of it a no-brainer. So you know the mechanism and energy audits, absolutely. Uh, you know partnering with your local utility, uh, who again in Massachusetts are willing to assist financially and even provide some engineering support for those kinds of audits. Um, I think it's it's absolutely a, a fertile area. Um, I'm not aware of federal grants that are available for that. Um, Directly, oh, okay. yeah. I, I think the utility companies uh, uh, are probably the best place to look for, right. for, for uh, collaboration.
0: Well, that leads me to my next question that Mara Lou is asking. Um, she's asking you in particular, John, are you aware of incentives from utilities that are uh, in any way uh, kind of helping with partnering hospitals? Uh, she's asking in, in Cambridge, but in the Boston area, perhaps.
4: Yeah. Uh, you know, our local utilities here, NSTAR and National Grid, both have very uh, aggressive programs uh, to uh, provide rebates. Uh, I think they're on the order of 20 to 25 percent of the cost. Of of these energy saving uh, uh, devices and uh, they are also um, willing to enter into multi-year agreements with you to pursue energy conservation programs and will help fund the actual uh, development of, an enge- of a conservation program with engineers that they provide. So we're, we're pushing hard for them to partner with us, and they are being very responsive.
0: Okay, great. We have a comment here. Somebody is saying we're an oncology network in South Florida and they're starting to make some changes in internal processes at the Central Business Office. They've just signed up for a recycling program having to do with print cartridges. Uh, Now we have and one department is preparing to go 100% paperless. So that's uh, kind of putting a stake in the ground in an important area. And if you have other examples like that, please go ahead and and chat uh, that in. Um, While we're waiting for more people to make some comments, I'm curious, of all the various things I mean what's so impressive about the new initiative all your work is that it goes across uh, the entire organization it's multidisciplinary both in terms of participation and in terms of looking at the whole picture are there some areas though where uh, you're uh, you're especially hoping um, that you can get some real um, traction you of course spoke of energy John but I'm wondering around purchasing uh, area is that one where you're really hoping to see if you can make a big leap forward also perhaps the use of certain toxic chemicals Um, maybe I'll start with you Gary in terms of you've got a platform are there areas that you feel maybe might you might be able to make some especially big leaps in any particular area
3: yeah I think um, one area I think would be in around uh, driving some toxic chemicals out of the marketplace okay so um, our experience around eliminating mercury in the healthcare sector um, in the US and then Europe and then now working with the World Health Organization globally is that mercury was a messenger um, in the same way that the Roman God mercury was a messenger and that as we've learned um, once hospitals um, began to eliminate mercury it had a multiplier effect in larger society so that it started to lead to state policies where mercury was being eliminated Uh, and then all the pharmacy chains eliminated mercury, and it just created a multiplier. And so there's been a number of chemicals that are in cleaning products, in IV bags, um, in furniture, that are building up in our bodies, that are um, winding up in women's breast milk, that are linked to reproductive toxicity, linked to carcinogenicity. Linked to learning disabilities, and if we in healthcare can drive some of these chemicals out of the marketplace, uh, I think it'll have a multiplier effect with the larger society, so that we can eliminate these exposures uh, in American generally.
0: Mm-hmm. John, how hard is it to do that?
4: It's hard. I mean, you know, energy is is under our control to you know, to the to the most degree, as is waste, as is some of these other areas that we're focusing on. But uh, you know, when we get into the purchasing, we're really relying uh, on partnerships with our. Um, uh, purchasing organizations and uh, their relationships with the vendors that we're buying product from. Um, so, you know, when you're talking about uh, reconstituting the chemical composition of IV bags and IV tubing, uh, it's not something that's done overnight. And in fact, you know, it's taken several years to develop a line of IV bags that are DEHP free. Um, that. That the hospital nurses and others feel comfortable with, you know, that don't leak or that they don't like the, the way it feels or something right. about it is just not not satisfying. Uh, so, you know, it's it's a it's a it's a much longer process, and sometimes uh, there are premiums so cost premiums associated with this. So that that's where the purchasing power of of the HHI organizations can really come into play because. Uh, in fact, we do buy many of the same products, and if together we say to whoever the vendor is, you know, and this is this is down to the to the barcode on the product, uh, you know, we want you to sell us that DEHP-free product, but we need it at this price point, and we're willing to make a commitment across these multiple hospitals, then perhaps we can make it happen. So. Um, I, I'd say product is the hardest area to, to move in just because it's so you know it, it's so di- diverse, and there are so many different thousands of products that we purchase in a, in a medical environment. Uh, but we're targeting the big ones, you know, the IV bags, and, mm-hmm. and the You know, we're getting we're getting manufacturers who are who are producing DEHP free, um, you know, brominated fire retardants on furniture, for instance. You know, there are lines of furniture that are coming out now that uh, are minimizing or looking to for alternatives to the brominated fire retardants and things like that. So it can happen. We have to ask for them though. Yes, definitely. Know, and then, so just with a unified voice asking for them, then we'll be heard.
0: Well, it'll be a very interesting. Development to watch all of you in terms of uh, what happens with the purchasing power of this initiative and to see it grow and what uh, effect it can have. We again invite your questions and comments. Don't be shy. Uh, every, every green effort is uh, starting somewhere and it's something to build upon. And if anybody has any thoughts at all about purchasing, uh,
3: feel free to chat in. Gary? Yeah, I just wanted to add another component is that. Uh, in parallel to this effort, we've been having conversations with the Internal Revenue Service around community benefit reporting. And we've um, uh, come to some uh, interesting agreements that they're, uh, in their guidance to nonprofit hospitals, they're willing to expand their definition of what should count as community benefit um, that would go beyond. Uh, things like um, uncompensated care and flu shot clinics and this kind of thing so that when hospitals do things in the community that improve the environmental health of their community, improve population health, that can count Mm -hmm. as community benefits. So um, if they set up farmers markets Um, in the community or use land to to support farmers or bring people and vans to those markets if they do interventions in people's homes to help them eliminate the pesticides uh, for safer pesticides and the cleaners for safer cleaners or help them get rid of their moldy carpet and that will help reduce asthma rates that can count as community benefits so it's a very powerful engine to unlock a lot of money that hospitals can take a much more proactive stand on in the communities that they serve
0: Wow. Well, that'll be another really interesting level to to follow here. I want to ask you, Amy, I'll come to you with this question for starters. So whose issue is this in the hospital? I mean, you all uh, kind of represent different aspects of this, and then there are many more, I'm sure, of people who are on, you know, the program with us Mm -hmm. today and who will be listening perhaps uh, when the the show is archived. But whose issue is this? I mean, you sort of told your story of Mm -hmm. how you got involved. Um, What might be a typical scenario today on and particularly if anyone's even listening right now who thinks well I'm fired up I want to do
2: something. Uh, To answer your question, whose issue is it, I think it's everyone's issue, and I think we heard uh, someone speak about this at the launch, Knox Singleton, the CEO of ANOVA, and he really uh, articulated it very beautifully that sustainability really falls with every member of an organization from the C-suite to the employees, and I think you need both the top-down approach and the bottom-up approach. And I really feel that there are opportunities for everyone within a healthcare organization to have a role from the kitchen staff and housekeepers to the administrators to purchasing people, facilities, environmental services, and, and clinicians. I think nurses and physicians have a very big role to play in this to advocate for healthier patients, healthier food, healthier communities. And really advocate for sustainability as an opportunity to improve everyone's health. Mm-hmm. Should there be a board committee, or are there
0: board committees that uh, are, are starting to do this? I had John put the uh, John Gothier here to put up an example of something that uh, John Missouri shared with me, which is a statement of support from uh, Gary Gottlieb, the head of Partners Healthcare, and I assume that's the kind of thing one is looking for.
2: Yeah, I think it's extremely important to have the support of your administration. I have a very supportive CEO at my local hospital, and I also have tremendous support from the administration of Vanguard. And both have made a very clear commitment to sustainability and environmental health. And I think without that, you can get results, but I think you're going to get much more sustainable uh, results when you have the high-level support. Mm-hmm.
0: Is that true? The high-level support is critical.
4: Absolutely. You know, and, and it often comes from a personal commitment, as it does with all of us, to to sustainability and 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 uh, green. Um, you know, the, the HHI challenge around um, leadership actually has a number of different. Objectives, uh, and it, it recognizes not only the, the need for the CEO to lead the organization uh, in this direction, but it also recognizes the influence that that CEO has amongst his or her peers, and to uh, utilize the platform that that they occupy to uh, promote sustainability uh, in healthcare in meetings that they attend with with their peer CEOs. Uh, to use their bully pulpit, if you will, to write op-ed letters, as, as Gary was able to do in, in the Boston Go- Globe, uh, to inform board members, you know, what that organization is doing around sustainability. You know, it, it, on the corporate side, uh, you know, the annual sustainability report is no big deal. It's kind of taken for granted it's it's very rare on the on the healthcare side there are some of the more progressive institutions producing sustainability sure. reports but you know it's it's a challenge for all of us to get up to that level but it, it seems to me that that's an obligation both both to uh, our employees and our boards but to our patients and our communities to be uh, talking about what it is that we're doing to uh, reduce our environmental footprint so uh, the leadership goal, I think, is, is really critical to the success of, of this program. Otherwise, you know, we, we kind of end up being volunteers. Right. That's what I you was, know, Yes. This has to, this has to be embedded into yeah. the culture of the organization. Right. And
3: on the, Thanks, on John. the website, yeah. there's, there's model policies that boards have taken and model structures for embedding uh, sustainability coordinators and green teams within senior management. So the structural elements. Uh, have been traveled before by many systems, so you don't have to reinvent that. There's a lot of really wonderful um, examples of of how uh, this has been embedded into the operating of, of many large hospital systems.
0: Any one of you. Who needs to be convinced? Uh, of, of this as as a priority, uh, it may be implicit in the in the discussion that we are also saying leaders, of course, do. But but who else um, for these efforts to become more than volunteer and doing good uh, because you you know believe in saving the planet
4: as it were. <laughs> Well, you know, I'll probably find my possessions out on the side, I But you know, I mean, it's—I, you know, I'd, I'd say generally middle management in hospital is most risk averse. Uh-huh. And you know, so we've got we've got a committed leadership. We've got employees who are dealing with these issues on a day-by-day basis and know, you know, they know what's toxic and what what isn't, and obviously they prefer to handle. Uh, chemicals. So they don't need things. too much convincing. They don't need too much convincing that it's in their best interest to, to be using something that's safer. Um, but, uh, you know, we, w- hospitals are huge, complex organizations, and uh, they usually are quite flat and have a lot of middle managers, and getting the word down to the middle managers so that they are committed to both supporting their employees in this Uh, you know, and and also have an obligation to report back up the chain, I think, is is really important. So, um, I mean, we have some very effective middle managers, and, in fact, they've taken up the baton at at a lot of our hospitals uh, on the partner side of things. I don't don't want to disparage uh, Mm -hmm. what what I see going on locally, but I think in talking with some of my hospital peers around the country, they they point to uh, the need to... Um, incentivize, in whatever ways makes sense, the middle managers to to really get moving on this.
0: Maybe that's an additional platform, Gary, that you'll need is a kind of middle (laughs) manager stream.
3: Well, the other is the the government really needs to take this on so Uh that it goes beyond a voluntary effort. I mean, the thing that's been so powerful to watch with IHI's work uh, around uh, safety is that now Finally, uh, CMS has taken it on Mm -hmm. internally uh, as a framework for looking at reimbursements and expectations and never events. Uh, And so I think that over the next bit of time, as we prove out uh, with all these hospitals around the country, these kind of interventions, trying to incentivize uh, and require hospitals around some of these as core standard Mm -hmm. practices and to get it embedded into joint commission so that when we think about the environment of care, it's the broader environment of care. Uh So I think that there's still a level of weave here uh, that still uh, will need to be institutionalized over the next Uh, three to five years
0: very very interesting I want to just thank you uh, Gary John and Amy and I just want to share a couple comments in case anybody is just joining by phone and can't see the chat so Catherine is telling us that our organization recently had the first meeting of the green team lots of good ideas including a rehabilitation program garden to produce food more recycling of recyclable items replacement of lighting fixtures with energy savers etc and then we heard from Terry from st. Vincent in healthcare in Billings, Montana. Uh, A lot of projects currently focusing on healthier food and looking at much more significant energy savings have just won Montana EcoStar Award for several years in a row. So that's (laughs) amazing. That's that's music to the ears of people here. And uh, we hope you'll continue to communicate with us and communicate with the new initiative. Um, As we talk about the way in which uh, the 500 initial uh, sort of founding members of uh, enrollees in the initiative and then many more get going and the purchasing power uh, that these folks might have and the influence and leverage. uh, I'm I'm curious, Gary, to what extent you might be able to start rolling up some of the impact that the efforts are actually having on uh, health, uh, safety, costs, any of that sort of thing. Is is that something in the cards to begin to look at that? Yes, we're
3: really interested in, in aggregating some of the success Um, and showing how we can move the dial um, in purchasing. So, for example, one of the goals in the food um, plank and the food challenge is to help hospitals get to 15 percent of overall purchasing that would be local and or sustainable um, to measure um, sugar-sweetened beverage reduction so that after three years, 80 percent would be healthier beverages. Um, And I think we're on some of the purchasing um, issues that John spoke about, I think we'll be able to see over the next couple of years that the marketplace for some medical products, um, especially around uh, PVC-free IV bags and and other PVC-free medical equipment, is going to move and that it will become more standard. Um, So I think we are very interested in highlighting these these measurements because we think that healthcare should be the driver in the entire society. Um, to not just talk about sustainability, but sustainability meets health, you know.
0: Okay. Thank you very much. Uh, thanks, Gary Cohen. Last words at all from, from John? Um, go, what's go, what's go on the agenda?
4: Well, go, to the, go to our site, hh uh, well, healthierhospitals.org, uh, yeah. and look at the challenges. Uh, they are challenges that require quantification and we're looking to collect that data just to, to build on the point that Gary was just making. We do want to collect the data uh, to track the changes that are occurring in, in, the, in the healthcare sector uh, nationwide. Uh, we hope you'll join us. Uh, we're just asking you to sign up for one challenge. Uh, I'm sure after you sign up for one, you'll find that you can probably do others too, but just. Put your toe in the water, (laughs) sign up for one. We're here to help you. We've got case studies. We've got technical resources. We've got a great staff who are uh, ready and waiting by the phones uh, (laughs) to take your calls. To take your pledge. And uh, we know you'll be successful.
0: I want to also just acknowledge, I really forgot to ask, uh, we couldn't quite get to everything, but I'm very aware that Partners Healthcare, under John's leadership, is playing a real mentoring role in the Boston area with hospitals here in terms of collaborating and sharing information Gary referred before to the fact that the campaign the initiative has a mentoring network so that's another way for people to begin to think about uh, either a role that you could play in your community or how you can also uh, get some help from those who are or have been at this for a while Amy sort of some uh, thoughts uh, kind of uh, as as we wrap up it all
2: Well, I think one last thought that came to mind when you asked uh, Gary who else needed to step up to the plate, and it made me think that... As a medical student and as a physician in training, I never had any formal education about environmental health or sustainability. And I think there is great opportunity to educate physicians in training on all these issues so that they can take this to the patients. Fabulous. Well, IHI has an open school. We'll make sure
0: they're always informed of the WIHI programs. I hope there are some linkages, and soon there will be maybe a green chapter. What do you think, John, for the IHI Open School? So John's nodding because he, he, Mike is away from him. I want to just, um, as I thank my guests uh, over and over again, I want to also just uh, make a quick mention of a passport program that's coming up. Uh, these are uh, uh, programs that can uh, basically be year-long virtual memberships for your whole organization, webinars, expeditions on topics ranging from improving perinatal care to targeting dark green dollars. I think we we were talking about some dark green dollars uh, on this program today. To learn more about Passport and how it can accelerate your improvement efforts, you can go to IHI.org Passport for more information. I'm uh, really thrilled that I was able to bring this group together. Uh, some fabulous thinking and energy going into this entire effort. We look forward to coming back to it um, perhaps a year from now, if not sooner, to find out kind of what's going on. And we hope uh, there will be that many more of you with us on the program sharing what you've been doing next up on WIHI on April 19th well I'm going to France I have to admit it and um, I'm good but I'm going to be talking about an issue that is uh, more than pastries or croissants you can't improve what you can't evaluate this is going to come from the International Forum on Quality and Safety in Healthcare with Don Goldman Dale Webb Mary Dixon Woods and Gareth Perry and some really interesting stuff going on right now about how to better understand your improvement projects and how to figure out uh, your designs and what you're learning from them uh, so that it's really worth uh, all the effort and energy that's going into it. You can enroll in that program right now. The information is right on IHI.org. If you check out our website also tomorrow, you'll find an archived version of this program, links to resources like healthierhospitals.org, other things that we've captured, the chat from today's program. Uh, You can also find it on iTunes. John mentioned that if you fill out the survey, uh, which pops up when you log off the program, you have an opportunity to win an Amazon gift card, and we've already given out two of those to two winners, so please don't delay. Any questions whatsoever, you can email us at info at IHI.org, and feel free to suggest future show topics. We're going to also continue this conversation. Jane Rossner is helping us out. She's going to give some of her thoughts after listening to the program right on IHI's Facebook page. Uh, Maybe that can link to some other Facebook pages and uh, other links, and if you're tweeting, uh, hashtag IHI. Uh, feel free to move some of this discussion around. We'd really welcome that. The people who help make WIHI possible, in addition to my wonderful guests today, uh, Gary Cohen, John Mazur, and Amy Collins, are every other week Mike Sweeney, Jesse McCall, Alan Olson, Vicki Minden, John Gothier, Jane Rossner, Val Weber, and Matt Morse, and our Northeastern co-op Rachel Yates. And we have some sort of nice music that was originally composed. All right, I'm going to hit the green button here. That's right, it is green. Okay, here it comes. Some nice music, original arrangements by Aaron Flanders on guitar and Miguel Sapasoa on piano. So as I always say, it's my privilege to host a program that's about spirited learning and improving patient care most of all. For the Institute for Healthcare Improvement, thank you for your participation today. I'm Madge Kaplan. Have a good afternoon.